Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. It's 49ers. Cutback podcast time. Welcome to the show. Ready to talk about this 49ers versus Bears game again. Uh, talked about it a little bit in the reaction show. Now it's time for the game recap. Get a little bit more into the numbers, a little bit more in depth. It's less of a reaction and more you know, understanding what took place in this football game. I'm excited to talk about it. I'm also going to give away you know, some awards. There were some players that still stood out. Even though it was a, a loss for the 49ers, it was still... You know, a time for some players to show up and show out, and some did. Other players struggled, but we'll get into all that. And I think it's a good thing to kind of look through some of the numbers, some of the stats, and get into how some of these players did. And, you know, it was one of those ones where it's not what we were expecting. We weren't expecting the San Francisco 49ers to lose the Chicago Bears, but it happened. Now you have to respond. You have to figure out what things went wrong, what things went right, build on the good positive things, Try to eliminate the negative so that way you can go out and beat the next football team you play. And it ends up being a team that you really have to beat in the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Seahawks, a division rival. You want to beat the Seahawks, especially at home. It's a good, it's a pivotal game. Yeah, I know it's early in the season, but it's pivotal because if you go one and zero in the division, then you have the opportunity to continue to have a chance to win the West. And that's the easiest route to get to the playoffs, which is the goal. Get to the playoffs and then see what happens when you get there. But 49ers have a ways to go and some things that they need to clean up. We're going to get into all that. But I want to talk about some of the performances that happened in this football game because some of them were very clear and evident. And then I also seen some things that were going around about how players performed. But I wanted to get in a little bit to the PFF, just some of their ratings. Now, take some of this with a grain of salt, but you got to look at it a little bit because it does give you an idea of who graded out which way. And of course, Trent Williams leads... Uh, the 49ers has the highest, you know, highest on offense with a 77.8 uh, 
percent. Now the 49ers had all five offensive linemen play all 60 68 snaps on offense. That's a good sign because as they move forward, they're going to get more chemistry, more camaraderie playing together. And I think that's good. The second on the list is Mike McGlinchey. So Mike McGlinchey gives up the sack early on in the game uh, to Dominique Robinson on an, an inside move. Other than that, he played pretty well. 77.2 doesn't grade very low compared to Trent Williams. But it was like I thought on film initially, McGlinchey had a pretty good performance. That's good news for the 49ers because he's coming off that injury. Hopefully he can build on this. But anytime you run the football, it definitely helps Mike McGlinchey do better. Of course, Jawan Jennings with a 76.8. Of course, he played pretty good. Everyone saw it. He played 41, for, 41 snaps, but he had some big plays down the field. Maybe he'll get an award from me later on. We'll see because there was a couple of guys battling on offense for that award. But here's the one I really wanted to get to, and that's Aaron Banks, the left guard, playing next to Trent Williams, graded out with a 76 grade. That's great news. Three of the top five performers on offense come from the offensive line, an offensive line that has been in question the entire offseason. You're going to have so many moving parts. Jake Brendel's taking over for Alex Mack. You've got Aaron Banks stepping in for Pro Bowl player Lakin Tomlinson. At right guard, Spencer Burford standing in for Daniel Brunskill. So many questions along the offensive line for three of the top five offensive performers, according to PFF, to be on the offensive line is good news. One of the things I'm really excited to get into about the film is just to see how they played, you know, play in and play out. And of course, Elijah Mitchell uh, rounded out the top five with 71.9, but only 17 snaps because of the injury. Unfortunate that he's going to start the season again with an injury. Now, over on defense, you got Talano Hufanga with a 90.8. Hufanga played absolutely fantastic in the 58 defensive snaps that he played. I think that was easy to see. The good news, Tayshawn Gibson grades as a second best defender for the 49ers with an 80.3 in 57 snaps, almost all snaps on defense for Gibson. I think he would have got a higher grade if he'd have made that interception. I think everyone would have liked that. But it's good to see that we got good free safety play with Jimmy Ward out. That's a good sign for the 49ers moving forward, and it probably means they won't sign Jaquiski Tart. That's what it came down to, right? Tart was hedging his bets. It didn't go well in the safety position. They probably would have turned to Tart. Now that it went pretty good with Gibson, and they know they still have Dante Johnson available as well, then they have safety help. They don't have to do anything until Jimmy Ward gets back unless Ward's stay on the IR is going to be even more extensive than we already think, which four to six weeks seems pretty realistic for Jimmy Ward's return. Hassan Ridgeway played good on the interior, only 12 snaps with a 74% grade. Aziz Alshire and Fred Warner round up the top five, playing pretty well. I thought those were easy things to see from this 49ers team, guys that played well. Of course, there were guys who got graded out poorly, and we'll go through some of them as well as we move forward you know, through this. But I want to go through a little bit of what happened with Trey Lance as well, because Trey Lance, of course, is going to be the topic of so much of the conversation uh, Lance goes 13 of 28 for 164 yards. The interception, which hurt, you know, Eddie Jackson makes a great play coming from a safety position, reads Trey Lance's eyes and undercuts a route, makes a fantastic pick. Uh, well done by him. But Trey Lance is just outside the bottom three on offense with a 53.7 grade on PFF. He had a passer rating of 50.3 with him going 13 of 28. He was uh under pressure 13 times and sacked twice of course the sack that trent williams gave up was a coverage sack but i think that trey lance you know throwing a completing a little over 50 percent. i think if he would have been in a non-weather game his numbers probably would have increased a little bit there were some elements that played into it of course 
And then there were also just some misses. I think it's just, you know, keeping it real of how Trey Lance played. I thought he had tremendous moments. The throw to Brandon Ayuk along the left side, you know, where Ayuk's coming across the field, and he throws it over the linebacker and underneath the safety, and Ayuk catches it right there. He drops in the bucket. Fantastic throw by Trey Lance. The ball over the top to Jawan Jennings. Great timing. Jawan Jennings almost is able to break free and get, you know, get into the end zone. He's tackled down near the 10-yard line. Those are fantastic throws. The other one where he's climbing the pocket and he throws the ball to Ross Dwelly and gets the ball out there. I thought that was a nice throw as well. So a lot to build on for Trey Lance in performance-wise. I thought he had those good moments. Just got to stack those reps. In the same regard, there are plays that he missed on. Uh, the screen passes were a real problem for Trey Lance. I want to look at the film more and see, was it the footwork? You know, Could he have been struggling with footwork conditions? You might be worried about extending your legs a little bit too much. I want to see. I mean, there was one that you're supposed to throw to Debo Samuel on a quick smoke screen to the left, and he literally hit Brandon Ayuku, who was blocking three yards ahead of Debo Samuel. Those are kind of things that I want to see if he cleans up once we get into week two against Seattle. How much are nerves? How much are elements? That's one thing I want to see when we get into the Seattle game. But I thought that there was going to be ups and downs for Trey Lance, so it didn't really surprise me that there was these outstanding moments where you're like, whew, if he can do that, this offense is going to be hard to stop. And there's moments that's like, whoa, what were you looking at, kid? What were you doing there? You know, how did you miss on that? I think that's the kind of the tale of what happens with a guy who's starting, you know, pretty equivalent to his rookie season as quarterback. Uh, so you're going to have these ups and downs. But I thought overall that Trey, you know, handled himself well. He did a pretty good job considering the elements, which isn't easy. And he ran the ball hard. When Trey, when Kyle Shanahan asked him to run the ball in key situations, he converted on those first downs. I thought that at times there was third and shorts where the offense wasn't able to get first downs, but it's not always Trey's fault. Sometimes there's other things that go into it, including offensive execution, which seemed to be an issue early in this game, especially with turnovers. The very first drive of the game, Kyle Shanahan got this offense going in a big way, going with a fly sweep to Brandon Ayuk. The fly sweep results in a nice big gain, and the Warriors to get rolling. Pretty soon, here comes Debo Samuel going the other way. He gets a nice seven-yard gain. They were diversifying the run game and allowing Trey Lance to be able to get the ball out on time to certain receivers, and they were moving the ball pretty good. Fortunately, they got into the red zone, and they had a red zone turnover, which is pivotal. The 49ers walked away from seven or even three points in that situation and also flipped the momentum a little bit in Chicago's way. Now, the defense came in and slammed the door, which included a, a sack on third down by Samson Ebucom. The 49ers accounted for two sacks in this game, both by their starting defensive ends in Nick Bosa and Samson Ebucom. You could argue that they probably should have had more, but Justin Fields did a very good job of scrambling, getting himself out. And then, of course, offensive coordinator uh, Luke uh well, he was ready to get he was ready to run screen passes. He wasn't going to allow this penetration to continually get up the field and get after him. Now, the number one focus of the 49ers defense was, of course, to stop the run, which they did very well. They stopped David Montgomery. They stopped uh, th these guys in the backfield. And they did a really good job. Fields, of course, had some moments. Um, but I thought overall, the 49ers did a very, very good job about handling it on defense. That was one thing I was excited about in this game was how well they played on defense. I mean, they held the Bears scoreless in the first half. You can't complain about that from the 49ers. Now, looking at the numbers of the 49ers' run game, the 49ers had uh, Trey Lance running 13 times. Now, not all of those were designed runs. I don't think that's what Kyle wants. 
think Kyle would like to see him run design runs three to four times a game and scramble a few. You don't really want those. You want him to extend the play and be able to throw the ball downfield. But receivers have to be open. Could conditions have contributed to receivers not getting open? Absolutely. So that's something to consider as well. But you had Trey going 13 for 54. Uh, Debo Samuel, 8 for 52. Eight carries for Debo Samuel, 6.5 average. With Elijah Mitchell potentially on the shelf, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense for Debo Samuel to get more of those explosive carries. Elijah Mitchell was looking absolutely fantastic. Six for 41, 6.8 yards, including a 16-yard run. So Debo with a 27-yard run and Elijah Mitchell with a 16. Those are explosives. Those are what you need from this 49ers offense. And those are the two guys that can do it. Jeff Wilson did not have as much success on the ground. Nine for 22. That's not something you can have happen against Seattle. So the 49ers need more production from that running back room. They're probably going to rely on Debo Samuel some. I would expect to see a little bit of Ray Ray McLeod in the run game and more Brandon Ayuk. Also, maybe we'll get to see TDP and Jordan Mason spin a little bit. So it'll be interesting how the 49ers handle this run game and this running back room if they end up putting Elijah Mitchell on the IR and moving forward. Uh, so those are some things to watch. And then on, on the receiving end, Jawan Jennings, of course, with four catches for 62 yards, and Ayuk two for 40. Um, those were the standouts. That is really big on the offensive side of the ball. That's, you know, I mean, that's what you want. You want this team to be able to produce on offense. And when it came down to it, they just weren't able to finish drives. The first drive ends with a turnover because of you know, Debo Samuel's fumble. The second drive ends with a quarterback sack that takes the 49ers out of field goal range, and then they have to punt. Those right there were opportunities to get points. You cannot miss out on points. Of course, the 49ers did end up getting points on the Debo Samuel beast touchdown run where he runs over Eddie Jackson. That was a fantastic drive. Most of that drive led by Elijah Mitchell before the injury, just gashing the Bears up the middle. That was exciting to see. This offensive line was opening holes. Elijah Mitchell was hitting those holes and making plays. That was exciting. Of course, Elijah Mitchell's out then, but Debo comes in and finishes off the drive. That was big going into the end of the first half. 7-0 going into the half. You expect the 49ers to get something going. They came out in the second second half, and they did. They got something going, moved down the field. Now, question you know, some of the things about you know the discipline and, and penalties and things, but the 49ers have an opportunity in that first drive of the second half, and they marched down the field and had a chance to get a touchdown. They weren't able to finish. Uh, red zone, they didn't execute the three-run plays that Kyle Shanahan called at the level needed. And he was rolling with that run game and expected it to be able to roll over the bears into the end zone. The bears got stout. They studded up and they, they, they finished it off by stopping the North Niners and holding them to a field goal. So 10 zero is the Niners lead. And the Niners after that, it kind of fell apart a little bit. A lot of that reason is the penalties. The penalties end up being huge for the San Francisco 49ers. It was so frustrating. Uh, just, you know, the penalties, in fact, were terrible. And this is a, a cool thing it, or a cool stat. Um, not cool in the fact that it didn't work out in the Niners' way, but it kind of gives you an idea. There were three key, key penalties and moments in the 49ers versus Bears game, and this came from Akash. Uh, third and four, San Francisco gets a stop. Penalty on Greenlaw for 15-yard drives ends in a TD. Now, that's the face mask. They had to stop. They were forcing the punt, and then you end up getting a TD out of that. That, of course, is... The one to Pettis, you know, on the, the rollout left, throwing all the way across the field for the touchdown. And I believe that's kind of where the momentum picked up for the Bears. Then you had a third and nine. San Francisco gets a stop penalty on Ward. This is Charvarius Ward uh, for a five-yard drive, ends in a TD, and he absolutely did hold. Uh, he was grabbing onto Dante Pettis. He was getting real physical with him. 
you're hoping they're not going to call it. They did, um, but you got to watch being too handsy. And so that converts for them. And then, of course, after the interception from Eddie Jackson on Trey Lance, there's a second and 11. San Francisco makes a stop, allowing only four yards. But then Javon Kinlaw gets a five-yard uh, inside holding call uh, that allows the drive to continue, and it ends up being a touchdown. Third and seven is a lot different from what it ended up being, and the Bears were able to capitalize and take advantage of it. And that's one of the frustrating things right now. Turnovers were huge in this game. Two turnovers, one that cost the 49ers a potential of scoring a touchdown on the Debo Samuel first drive, and then putting a short field together for the Chicago Bears when they really hadn't done much on offense. I mean, besides the big play to uh, Dante Pettis, there was no offense from the Chicago Bears. They were struggling. This 49ers defense was absolutely suffocating. After that happened, it gave an opportunity. That interception put the Bears really in a good position. They had a short field. Uh, field position was in favor of the 49ers the whole game. If you look at overall stats, it was heavily in favor of the San Francisco 40. Niners. The 49ers had 331 yards to the Bears 204. Defensively, you got to feel good about holding the Bears to 204 yards. Passing yards, the 49ers with 155. The the Bears with 105 with 50 plus passing yards coming on the Dante Pettis touchdown. Think about that for a second. Justin Fields had 29 yards up to that point. That's how suffocating this 49ers defense was. Of course, he makes the play. Good up to Justin Fields and Dante Pettis for making the play, but it just goes to show that not everything is as bad as it seems. The 49ers played very well on defense and still have a very capable defense moving forward. Rushing yards, the 49ers with 176 yards on 37 carries for a 4.8 average. Now, normally when you rush the ball 35 to 40 times, you win the football game, but a lot of those carries were scrambles by Trey Lance. Trey Lance took off running for a handful of carries, some of which worked out, and others he took big shots on. I don't know if that's sustainable football for the 49ers. So I think that they they want to get a better average per play. They want to have this run game continue to roll, but now there's question marks because of Elijah Mitchell's injury. Debo Samuel's obviously going to be thrust into it, and we're probably going to get to see one of these young rookies in Jordan Mason or TDP get more carries than maybe Kyle Shanahan was expecting. When you're looking at first downs, the 49ers had 17 to 15 for the Chicago Bears. Third down efficiency, 49ers at almost 50%. So just under 50%, which isn't bad overall for third down uh, efficiency rate. Then you look at the Bears, and they were 5 of 14. 49ers getting it done there, minus penalties that were converting first downs. The Bears weren't converting first downs if it wasn't for the 49ers penalties. That's something, though, that you can clean up. As a coaching point, I'm, if I'm having bad play from my guys, my guys just aren't able to match up, I'm concerned. When it's things that I can fix, like penalties, and like maybe not you know, executing something to the level I'm supposed to, I know I can coach it up and I can fix it, especially discipline things. So I expect the 49ers to fix it, but these numbers go ahead and show you that they do have things they need to fix. 49ers ran more offensive plays than the Bears. They punted less than the Bears, two less times, but the key is the penalties. 12 for 99 for the 49ers, where the Bears only 3 for 24. You also throw in the fact the 49ers lost a fumble and an interception, and it sways the, you know, the, the pendulum in the Bears' favor, and they go ahead and get it done. I thought that is really, really tough. Um, you held the Bears to 2.7 yards per carry 
it, it, it's really, really frustrating that the 49ers didn't walk away with the win. And they got to feel like, man, we did everything that we were supposed to do to win. And it just didn't go in our favor. But we defeated ourselves. We made some bad plays. Um, and, you know, you got to go ahead and overcome those things. Overall, the defense played well. They didn't really challenge Emmanuel Mosley at well as all. They challenged Tarverus more a couple times. He won minus the one holding call. I, I thought that overall the secondary played really really well, especially considering how good Tayshawn Gibson played. Minus him not coming up with that interception, which wasn't easy. Uh, I thought he played really well, and I thought him and Hufanga did a good job playing together. The front seven did an excellent job stopping the run. The tackles were well distributed. There just wasn't a lot of plays from the Bears on offense. And even their drives that they did have success, it was extended by 49ers mistakes. Uh, so it's all about cleaning up mistakes for the San Francisco 49ers. It really is. So now I want to go ahead and I want to give away a couple awards um, from this game of the Chicago Bears versus the San Francisco 49ers because I thought that, you know, both teams played pretty well. Um, at times, uh, I think that there was a lot of really bad plays as well. But let's get into the block is hot defensive player this The block is hot defensive player of the game. It wasn't hard to figure out. It's Talano Ufonga. Talano Ufonga played himself one heck of a game. He had nine tackles, two assisted tackles, and of course the big interception early in this football game. He looked like a Pro Bowl caliber player. Ufonga, I think if the 49ers win this game, would have been an absolutely shining star. A lot of people would have been talking about him as player of the week. He's just played that well. I think it gives the 49ers fans a lot of excitement about what could come in the in the future uh, from Talano Ufonga. And uh, looking, back, looking up forward to him and Jimmy Ward playing together, the versatility that Ward provides to go with what Ufonga did around the box. He was flying around. He was great in run fits. And then it went ahead and, and caused a turnover. And that's what you need from this defense. You need them to cause turnovers. They got one in this game. Hopefully they're going to continue that, that momentum. They had it going all through training camp, all through preseason. And it's good to see them create a turnover in the in a game situation in the regular season, but now they got to do it more. Uh, of course, the offense needs to go ahead and make sure they don't turn the ball over so you can get in the positive factor. But I thought that overall, uh, Talano Ufonga was a big reason why this defense was so stout. There was a lot of really good players, including Emmanuel Mosley, who was up for this award because they just didn't target Emmanuel Mosley. Uh, they just didn't throw his way. It was surprising. They went after Ward. Mosley had the whole uh, the whole right side of the defense locked up, left side of the offense. And they just didn't go that way unless it was a screen pass. And even then, he came up and he made plays and made tackles. So I thought Mosley did a, did a really good job. There's a lot of really good defensive performances. This defense played fantastic overall. They were not the reason that the 49ers lost this football game. Now, over to the offensive side of the ball. Going to give away an offensive award for the straight beast. The offensive straight beast for the game is going to be two guys. Brandon Ayuk, who I thought played really well early. Of course, has the fly sweep, seven yards on the you know that opening carry, but then also makes two catches for 40 yards. Dunk plays that help out you know, Trey Lance, and I thought he did a really good job of getting open. Of course, I want to see him do more, but I think a lot of it, the elements that played into it, Trey's going to get more comfortable, but you saw a little bit of the relationship between them. And then the other one that I'm going to talk about is Jawan Jennings. Uh, Jennings going off and making some really, really big plays down the field. 
know, he equated himself very good having four catches for the 49ers. I mean, that's what you need. You need Juwan Jennings to make plays. He gets four for 62 for a 5.5 average with a, that 44 long that went down the field. Of course, that helps the average go up. But if you look at the, the receivers for the Niners, the, the passes that were completed downfield were chunk plays. You had 15 and a half average for Jawan Jennings. You had Brian Ayuk at, you know, two for, he had 20 yard average because he had two for 40. Ray Ray McLeod had one down the field to the left where he caught it for 20 yards. That's one for 20. And then you had Ross Dwelly catching one, that one over the middle we talked about earlier where Trey climbed the pocket for 11 yards. I think that's exciting. Debo Samuel had two for 14. Now, some of the reason that Debo Samuel didn't do as well in PFF grades is because of, of course, they said he had a couple of drops and then he also had the fumble, but he was targeted eight times and only walked away with two catches. That's something the 49ers need to make definitely make sure it's better. Uh, one of them, of course, Roquan Smith jumps up and tips away. I thought that Trey Lance had made another fantastic throw just over that first wave of defenders and into the arms of Debo Samuel. It wasn't the case, but we got some good performances from these offensive players, and I think we need to highlight those good performances. That's why I wanted to make sure I gave away some awards you know, to some of these guys because we had good defensive performances, good offensive performances. It wasn't so much that the big players didn't make plays. It was more so that they weren't able to execute at certain times and they made mistakes at certain times. Turnovers and penalties end up being the undoing of the 49ers. But let's see what they do next week against the Seattle Seahawks. Hopefully they can fix some of these problems. I think the numbers go to illustrate that the 49ers had some good performances with three offensive linemen being in the top performances performers on offense. That's a good sign for the 49ers moving forward, especially with one of those being Aaron Banks. Of course, Jake Brendel was in the bottom five, but Spencer Burford wasn't. So I think the 49ers continue to improve, continue to get better. And let's just take a chance, take a breath. Let's see what they do against the Seahawks. They're at home. There won't be weather to worry about. Let's see how they, they fix these problems and then build on the things that they did well. If they do not fix the penalty problems and the turnovers, they deserve the criticism. If they do, they deserve the praise for figuring it out and fixing it. That's what it's about. It's about fixing the problems that you make. It's a 17-game season. Are you going to have ups and downs? Absolutely. It's the way you respond that matters. Hopefully, the 49ers are going to respond with a big game against the Seattle Seahawks, but time will tell. And all throughout the week during on the channel, we're going to be going over the Chicago Bears, of course, against the 49ers, talking about the fallout from that, but also talking about what's going to happen with the 49ers face the Seattle Seahawks. So pay attention all week to the channel. We're having a bonus week. So our content that's over on Patreon will be over on the YouTube channel as well. So you're going to get an episode of 49ers Face Off from Slightly Offsides, maybe even a little film breakdown. So all week long, there's going to be tons of content that you can check out. So if you haven't already, give the video a like. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to the channel so you don't miss anything. If you hit the notification bell, it'll notify you videos go live or when I go live for a live stream. So hopefully everyone enjoyed the episode. I know I enjoyed talking about it. Let's turn the page on the 49ers for Chicago Bears and look forward to the Seattle Seahawks game. 49ers have some things to work on. Can they get better? Yes. You know how I know? They proved it last year when they were 2-4. and four, and It looked like they were close to the edge of not making the playoffs. Week 1 is in the books. Did it go the way we want? No. How they respond is the most important thing. I hope you guys all enjoyed the episode. Looking forward to seeing you on future episodes. Uh, stay safe and remember the right way is always the 49ers.